0: Now here's your host of Long-Term Care Radio, Brian Ott. You know, I had a
1: very interesting uh, conversation with a listener named Ashley, a listener to Long-Term Care Radio, and uh, she had sent a question in last week and I had a chance to talk with her. And it really got me thinking that I need to share this information with, you know, all my listeners out there because it's such an important question that she asked. And here's what Ashley asked me. My parents are under the assumption that they don't need long-term care insurance because Medicare or Medicaid will pay for any of the costs if they need help. My parents own two homes. They have a pretty decent retirement account, which will fund their retirement years. I'm worried what will happen if they don't stay healthy. Can you explain what Medicare and Medicaid pay for and how the programs actually work? And, you know, I will just tell you, when I I saw this question come through, I reached out to Ashley, and I said, I really want to talk to her, and I want to clear this up. And this is such a relevant question. And here's why. Nationwide, the the insurance company, Nationwide is on your side, Nationwide did a study back in 2014, and what they found is that 7 out of 10 respondents believed the Affordable Care Act would pay for long-term care services. So Obamacare, 7 out of 10, 70% believe that it would pay for long-term care, and it does not. Another study was just released this last year here, AARP, they released the results of a study where over half of the respondents over age 50 believe that Medicare would pay for long-term care services. Again, Medicare does not pay for long-term care services. So neither the Affordable Care Act nor Medicare will actually pay for long-term care services, yet many adults in fact, I would venture to say, based on these surveys that the majority, most of the adults, like Ashley's parents, believe otherwise. Now, and I will tell you, this kind of this question motivates me. This is part of the reason why we have long-term care radio. In fact, I was at a convention about four months ago, and a lot of people are asking me like, "Well, how do you do a, a podcast or a radio show on long-term care every week?" What do you talk about? And I said, well, the number one thing you have to understand is that the vast majority of people don't understand what we're talking about when we say long-term care. They may have a picture in their mind, but it's not necessarily correct. So this is kind of what motivates me to come in every week and put these shows together. And sadly, I will just tell you in this country, many people are going to find out too late that what they thought was true isn't true. And so today I want to spend some time just clarifying what Medicare and what Medicaid are and how they work when it comes to long-term care because this is something that everybody needs to know whether you're you're you have long-term care insurance or whether you want to get long-term care insurance you just need to understand how these programs actually work so let's take a look and start with Medicare so what is Medicare simply put Medicare is a federal government program that provides health care coverage so your health insurance if you are 65 years or older. Under 65, if you're receiving Social Security disability, so if you're on SSDI, you can still get Medicare coverage for a certain amount of time. And also, if you're in stage renal disease, you're gonna qualify for Medicare. So basically, Medicare is your health insurance. It's the health insurance that we're all gonna get when we turn 65. Now, there are four parts to Medicare. There's Part A, Part B, part C, and part D. Part A of Medicare is your inpatient hospital coverage. So this is your hospital insurance. If I have to go to the hospital and I have to stay, that's going to be part A. Part B provides outpatient. So this is going to be your doctor coverage. I'm going to the doctor. I'm getting my checkup. I've got pneumonia. Whatever it is, that's going to be part B. It's your outpatient medical coverage. Part C offers an alternative way to receive your Part A and B. So basically, think of Part C as they're going to combine Part A and Part B together. And this this is really a, a, you know it uses private health insurance coverage to pay for the the Medicare, and they they administer this. So Part A and Part B is basically known as the Advantage Plan. So that's Part C. It just combines Part A and Part B. And then the last part of Medicare is Part D, which provides prescription drug coverage. So again, A, B, C, and D. A is hospital, B is your health coverage, C is just Part A and B combined, or a Medicare Advantage program, and then Part D is your prescription drug program. So you can get hospital coverage, you can get outpatient coverage, you can get prescription drug coverage through Medicare, but you do not get long-term care insurance coverage. I think this is why so many people are, are confused about this, They don't really realize the difference between what medical care is or acute care is and what a long-term care situation is. So let's touch on that for a quick minute. Acute care is a level of health care in which a patient is treated for a brief but severe episode of illness or for conditions that are the result of a disease or trauma. And something that they're going to recover from. So this is what we call acute care. You know, you fall and you break your hip. You're going to get treated. It's acute care. You're going to heal up from that. That's what Medicare is going to cover. So just remember that. Medicare is going to cover acute care, something you're going to heal up from. Long-term care involves a variety of services designed to meet a person's health or personal care needs during short or long periods of time. So really the name is in long-term care, we're talking about long, but long-term care it could also be you know, six months, could be nine months, could be a shorter period of time. These services basically help people live as independently and safely as possible when they can no longer perform everyday activities on their own. So again, it's, it's not usually medical in nature. Now long-term care situations can be medical in, major, in, in nature. But the vast majority of long-term care services provided in this country are not medical and major. They're what we call custodial care. Custodial care is the care that you help your loved one. It's the care that we need to get through the day. Transferring, bathing, dressing, eating, getting to the bathroom, you know, help with laundry, meal preparation, things like that that just help, things that we do every day. You don't need a doctor. You don't need a nurse for that. But as your health is compromised, as you age and you become frail, You need help with those things, and that's really what long-term care is. So Medicare does not cover these costs. Medicare states that it will pay for up to 100 days of skilled nursing, and I've often heard this presented as Medicare will pay for the first 100 days of long-term care, and it's not true. And I've actually heard this come out of the mouths of some very educated people and some professionals like attorneys and CPAs and financial advisors that, oh, Medicare pays the first 100 days of long-term care. In fact, I had one guy explaining to me why there was a 90-day elimination period on long-term care policies, why that was the standard. And he said, well, it's because Medicare pays the first 100 days of your long-term care anyway, so you don't really need it. And I was like, wow, that's just, it, that is just complete misinformation, and it's not true. Simply not true. Medicare will pay up to 100 days in a skilled nursing facility, but there are a few things you need to know. Number one, this is not assisted living or home care in a nursing home. This is skilled nursing care, which means you need assistance of a skilled medical professional. Medicare only pays for the first 20 days, actually. Day 21 through day 100, you're going to have about $170. It's right around there, $170 a day out of pocket, or what they call a copay. The care has to be ordered and required by your doctor. So that means that they have to believe that it's necessary for your situation. And it's for acute situations, something that you're going to heal up from, not for ongoing care situations. So you can see overall people get very frustrated when they find out, you know, after the fact that Medicare is not going to pay for or cover the ongoing event because by that time it's too late to put a long-term care insurance plan in place. Now, some short-term care situations will be paid by Medicare, and this is another point of confusion. People often think that someone got their care covered by Medicare so they don't have to worry about it because Medicare is covering long-term care, but really, it was probably short-term rehabilitative care that the person needed, maybe something, some physical therapy they needed after they had a knee surgery or a hip replaced or something else like that. But as a general rule, they're not going to pay for the ongoing care that you need when you end up in a long-term care situation. If it's not going to be addressing acute care or something you're going to heal up from, Medicare is just not going to be a payer of record on that. So, again, Medicare is our health insurance. It's going to pay for acute care. You will use Medicare until the day you die, even if you have long-term care insurance. And this is something that I think other people will say, well, I have Medicare. I don't need long-term care. Or why would I get long-term care if I'm going to have Medicare? Don't they both pay for the same thing? No, they do not pay for the same things. Long-term care is mostly going to pay for that custodial, ongoing care that you need that Medicare is not going to pay. But if you're in an assisted living facility and you have a medical event and they rush you to the hospital, that is going to be covered by Medicare. The long-term care is going to cover you when you get back to your assisted living and you need the help getting through the day, the transferring, the dressing, the meal prep, the help of medications, those kind of things that don't need a skilled doctor. So uh, stick around. I've got to take a quick break here. But when we come back, we're going to continue the discussion, but we're going to move from Medicare to Medicaid. So stick around. I'll be right
0: back. New asset based programs protect your savings and your family, and even pay you back if you never use them. Make sure your care is funded and managed in a time of need. Learn more and sign up for one of Brian's free live webinar classes at 525longtermcare.com.
2: The issue of long-term care is so important, a lot of states like Washington are seeking to pass laws requiring payroll deductions to fund it. But the reality is the state solution is simply a drop in the bucket. It won't provide meaningful protection for you or your family. 525 Advisors is who my wife and I went with. They provide meaningful coverage through new plans with guaranteed leverage that turn every dollar into at least $3 of long-term care coverage tax-free. And you get your money back if you never use it just like the custom plan my wife and I got. Join Brian Ott from 525 Advisors this Thursday afternoon at 3 for his free live webinar. He'll explain how repositioning some of your savings is a secure way to triple your money today to pay for the high cost of long-term care, like the state. We agree long-term care is a serious issue, but don't settle for the government's flawed plan. Learn your own options at the free live webinar this Thursday afternoon at 3. Sign up at 525longtermcare.com. That's 525longtermcare.com.
1: Hi, this is Brian Ott with 525 Advisors. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to protect many people and their families with long-term care planning. However, I've also seen how long-term care events devastate families and turn the last years for the family into their worst years. Many people believe the downside from a long-term care situation is limited to financial loss. Yet often, it's the emotional damage that lingers and hurts the family members the most. Watching a loved one go through their savings is one thing. But watching a loved one lose their dignity is far worse. Long-term care insurance provides a dedicated source of funds to help pay for your care when you need it. But more importantly, it provides you with a team of trained professionals that will help you and your family manage your care. Learn how you can stay in control of your care options, maintain your dignity, and protect the people you care about most by attending one of our upcoming live webinars. Sign up today at 525LongTermCare.com. That's 525 long Care.
0: Are you confused about the best way to protect your family and savings? Get answers now by listening to Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott, certified long-term care planning specialist with 525 Advisors.
1: And welcome back, and thanks for tuning in to Long-Term Care Radio you know, if you're listening live on the um, on the radio programs, we have um, a couple classes coming up. This actual show is going to air Saturday in most markets. So, if you're listening to KOA in uh, Colorado, you still have time to jump on our show this morning or our web webinar. It's going to start at ten o'clock your time. I'm sorry, uh, nine a.m. your time in uh, Mountain Time. It's going to start at eight a.m. Um, eight a.m. Pacific time. So, for the rest of you that are listening to the podcast or maybe Saturday afternoon in Washington State. Our next class, our next live webinar is coming up this Thursday, which is the 18th. That's going to be a 3 o'clock kickoff Pacific time. It's going to be a 4 o'clock kickoff Mountain time. And again, just sign up at uh, 525longtermcare.com. All you do is you put your information in there. We're going to send you a link to the email that you put in, and that's it. You just open that link, and you can participate in the webinar. You don't have to download software. You don't have to go through any executables. I was just on a Zoom meeting last week, and I was getting an update in the middle of all that, and I just... You don't have to mess with any of that. You just open it up in your browser, so we make it super, super easy. So if you just joined us, I got a question um, last week from Ashley, a listener, and she said, you know, her parents didn't think they needed long-term care insurance because they believed Medicare and Medicaid would pay for it. And we just were going over the statistics and and what Medicare is. And again, Medicare is your acute care. You're going to have that insurance. You get it at 65, and you're going to have it till the day you die. And it's going to pay for things that you need, that you're going to heal up from, you know? Doctor visits, hospital visits, anything like that. It does not pay for long-term care. So the other thing where people get confused at out there is Medicaid. And so we're going to move the conversation from Medicare to Medicaid. This is the other big government program that people often get confused about. So what is Medicaid? Well, the bottom line with Medicaid, Medicaid provides health coverage to millions of Americans. Uh, including eligible low-income adults, children, pregnant women, elderly adults, uh, people with disabilities. Medicaid is administered by the states, and according to the federal requirements, so it's really a shared cost program. So the federal government has these requirements, and the state's going to administer rules based on that. As of April 2022, over 81 million people were now enrolled in Medicaid. So that's about one in four Americans. Medicaid spending grew 9.2% to $671 billion in 2020. This is the last data that I could find. Now, out of that budget, that $671 billion, about a quarter of that budget um, goes to pay for long-term care services and support. So the majority of it, three-quarters of Medicaid is going to health insurance or what we call the acute care, about 25% of their budget is going to long-term care services and support. And by the way, Medicaid is the largest payer of nursing home stays in this country, the largest payer by far. We'll touch on that a little bit more later. Now, Medicaid pays for health insurance for the poor and the low-wage workers. I think if you most states, it's going to vary by the state, but you know most of them, it's going to be, say, family for around $60,000. So if you're making less than $60,000, you're probably going to qualify for Medicaid for your health insurance. This is really the fastest growing part of Obamacare. Obamacare pushed up the cost of care for all of us, but where the real growth was, was on Medicaid. It wasn't the private insurance participation. It was actually Medicaid growing, growing the Medicaid rolls. Now, states call it different names to avoid the name Medicaid. So if you're in Colorado, they're going to call it Health First Colorado. If you live in Connecticut, they're going to call it Husky Health, which I thought that was kind of fun. Um, Alaska is Denali Care. New Mexico is called Centennial Care. Wyoming, this was the one that surprised me, they call it Equality Care. And in Washington State, they call it Apple Health. So that's what it's going to be called if you live in one of those states. Every states, most states will have a different name for it as opposed to just calling it Medicaid, but regardless of what you call it, it's a safety net program, it's Medicaid. Now, when it comes to long-term care, the rules are pretty strict. So again, about 25% of the the, the budget, the money that's spent on Medicaid, goes out for long-term care services. In order to qualify for Medicaid and long-term care services, a person must meet the following requirements. Their income must fall below a state's Medicaid income and countable asset limits also. And their medical, or I should say, their medical-related care expenses must exceed their income. So there's asset and income limits, and then the medical costs have to exceed your income. They must reside in the state that they wish to receive benefits, and they must be permanent resident or have a U.S. citizenship. So those are the requirements to qualify for Medicaid. Now, the first one is key, income and countable assets. So let's discuss this. Countable assets, if you are a single person and you wanna qualify for Medicaid, you wanna get Medicaid to pay for your long-term care, you would have to spend your assets down to about $2,000. And so when I say assets, I'm talking liquid assets, banks, savings, bonds, retirement accounts, cash value, life insurance, annuities, all that has to be spent down to $2,000. For a married couple, the community spouse, so the healthy spouse, the spouse that is not applying for Medicaid, will get to keep, it's going to vary, but it's usually somewhere around $120,000 or half of the assets, whichever is greater. So if you only have $200,000 of liquid assets total, the healthy spouse can keep $100,000. The other hundred has to get spent down paying for care. If you have over $250,000, well, it doesn't matter. You're going to spend a bunch of those assets down because the community spouse is going to get to keep around $120,000 And that's assuming that the person qualifying for Medicaid is going to a facility. If they're trying to get care at home, then a lot of times that that number is gonna be reduced even a little bit more. Now, the community spouse, so the person that is not qualifying for Medicaid will get to keep the house, they'll get to keep a car, they'll get to keep the personal item like the art and the furniture, things like that. But for single individuals, if you own a home, there's going to be a lien. They don't make you sell your home, but if you're a single person, you gotta spend your assets down And to the threshold, to that $2,000 or less. And then when you do apply for Medicaid and you start receiving benefits, they will come back in and they will attach a lien to your house. And so the idea is when you die, you can still leave the house to the kid. But if Medicaid paid out $100,000 on your behalf, your kid to keep the house has to come up with $100,000 or they've got to sell the house to come up with that $100,000. So that's how it's going to work on a single individual. Now, for a married couple, if the healthy spouse gets the house, that's fine. But if they end up in Medicaid down the road, well, guess what? Then all bets are off. They've got to spend their remaining assets down to $2,000. There's going to be a lien on that house. So that's really how that's worked. So our our listener, Ashley, was right to be concerned about her parents. She said her parents have two homes. When I was talking to her, her parents have a little second home, a little cabin, and they've got their home that they live in. So guess what? That second home is an asset that they would have to liquidate, And they would have to spend their savings in their retirement accounts down to that threshold before either one of them could qualify for Medicaid. Now, let's talk about income requirements for a second. People forget about this. They know, I think a lot of people when they think about Medicaid think, okay, I got to spend my assets down. But what people often miss is the income limits. So most states, if you're married, we'll go back to this again, if you're married, the community spouse, the person that is not qualifying for Medicaid will get to keep the income that is in their name. Okay, so now if you are the husband and your wife is the one that needs to qualify for Medicaid and the husband has pension and Social Security, he will get to keep that income. The wife's income, if she's qualifying for Medicaid, will be used to pay for care. Now most states will have some kind of minimum community resource limit. So that means the community spouse, if they're making say less than $3,000, and their housing expenses over six hundred dollars, they would get to keep some of their spouse's income to get them up to that minimum standard of income, that three thousand dollars. But that's it. So we have we see people all the time where if the husband is the one that has the pension and Social Security, and the in the wife has a small Social Security, she might get to keep a you know a few hundred dollars or a couple thousand dollars of the husband's income to get her up to that three thousand dollar income limit. But the rest of the money for the husband is going to be spent to pay for his care first. So I think this is something that people often forget, that assets have to be spent down, but your income is also turned over. There are some exceptions. There are some ways to get out of this. Like if you have community uh, or joint assets together in an IRA, you can convert those to a Medicaid annuity, which means we put all the money in the community spouse's name, and that turns into an income stream for them. But again, remember, the other assets have to be spent down before you can qualify, And I think a lot of the frustration that I see out there is how Medicaid planning is presented. We still have a lot of attorneys out there offering estate planning under the guise of Medicaid planning. And folks, this was very common. You go back 20, 30, 40 years ago, there were a lot of easy ways to do this. You could just go see an attorney, do a bunch of little paperwork, get all the assets out of dad's name, get him on Medicaid. All the assets were protected for mom and the kids. Those days are over. There's a five year look back. And here's what you, the bottom line is what you need to understand is that you cannot have control of assets and excessive income and still get the government to pay for your care. So, Ashley's saying, look, her parents have retirement accounts, they own two homes. Well, they can't just go in and say, okay, well, we need long term care. We need Medicaid to pay so we can keep all the assets for the spouse or we want to pass them on to our kids. They don't get to do that. They're going to have to spend assets down and they're also going to be limited on their income what they can keep so a lot of times we'll see these people out there saying hey if you come do this legal plan it's a safe harbor trust it's a spousal protection trust it's an ab trust whatever they want to call it they are simply saying that we will set up this legal trust where then you can put assets into it and then those assets won't be yours so you won't have to spend them down to get medicaid The problem with that is it has to be a irrevocable trust, so you literally have to give those funds away, and you can't access them in the future. And that's just a flaw that most people don't want to do that. So they might go do the legal planning, which is, you know, power of attorney and medical directives and all those things that you need, and estate planning is great to avoid taxes when you do finally die, but it's not going to get the government to pay for your long-term care services. So, again, Medicare, your acute care, that's your health care insurance, you're always going to have that, does not pay for long-term care, Medicaid, a safety net program. It's only designed for people that have no other resources to pay for long-term care. we got to take a quick break for the news, but stick around. When we come back, I'm going to introduce you to Ron and Carrie, our Client of the Week. I'll be right back.
0: Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott, providing valuable insight to protect you in the event of an extended health care situation. Learn more by attending one of Brian's free live webinar classes this month. Sign up now at 525 longtermcare.com. 525 longtermcare.com. This is Long Term Care Radio with Brian Ott. Listen and learn information from a certified long term care planning specialist. You can email your questions to radio at 525 advisors.com.
1: And welcome back. Thanks for uh, tuning in again to Long Term Care Radio. So I got to tell you, um, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. And my favorite part of this program by far is the client of the week. And uh, this week, I'm just, I'm really excited because when we, you know, the, the idea of the client of the week is to help you wrap your mind around that there's a lot of different options and different ways to put these plans in place. And there's different funding sources. It's not just writing a check. That's going to disappear and that's the problem with traditional pay-as-you-go long-term care insurance i think for most people i had a plan when i was in my 40s and it was you know i I just gotta be honest with you i felt like i had a boat payment without the boat i just was always writing this check every year and i knew it was important long-term care events can happen at any time they just generally call it disability if you're under 65 but the reality is you know you can go out get hit by the bus tomorrow if you're 35 so the idea of, yeah, I can see it was important, but I just you felt like you were stroking this check and for the boat without the boat. Well, these new asset-based plans are completely different. They've just changed that arena. And this week, I'm just going to tell you, I'm getting really excited because this is a home run out there, um, asset-based plans. And I will just tell you, I'm going to say a word right now, annuity. If you have an annuity, if you have a deferred annuity, a multi-year guaranteed annuity, Um, An indexed annuity. I don't care what you call it. If you have an annuity, I want you to listen to this client of the week because they made some very, very special rules for us with the Pension Protection Act that went into effect in 2010. So let's talk about Ron and Carrie. They're both 65. They're recently retired. Um, They're doing some estate planning, kind of trying to get all their ducks in a row for their retirement years. They've got two grown children, they've got three grandchildren right now. Um, They're the, the whole idea is like once they're retired, they're saying, they're saying, you know, we're looking at our estate. We're trying to figure out to do some planning. And we want to make sure that we are prepared in case our health is compromised or something happens. We want to you know, we want to talk about how we get transfer our wealth and our estate onto our family in an efficient way. Their biggest concerns, they just wanted a better option than spending their money down should one of them need care. That was just something that was very evident to them now because ron's mother passed away but she was in a long-term care situation for four years and he said he was absolutely shocked when he sat down and he started going through the books and the numbers and the assets looking at how his mom spent the money down we think of like oh assisted living is four thousand dollars well what you forget about or thirty dollars an hour for that home health care but you you forget about all the other things you're not you know, you you start paying people for shopping, for a laundry service, for maintenance on the home, for doing the landscaping, and then oh, doctors and things just can snowball, and you can spend a lot of money. And that's why you know long term care is such a big deal in this country. It can be very expensive and can get expensive very quickly. So Ron was really surprised because his mom and dad had had you know worked hard and saved a lot of money, but he just looked at how much was really just he he said just flushed down the drain, so to speak. That, could have been protected with some insurance so that was something that caught ron's eye um they did not want to burn through a big chunk of their assets they were looking at their estate plan and they had some ideas of how they wanted their money to be distributed and they did not want to spend it down on care if they could avoid that they did not want to be a burden on their children that was something that they were very adamant about their grandchildren were still relatively young and ron said you know my health could change in the next five or ten years and and my kids are still going to have kids at home so i don't want them worrying about me um, Ron suspected that he had enough money and he really planned on self-insuring. I mean, he, he really did. He just looked at it and said, you know, I've got enough money. I'm probably not going to run out of money. But after looking at his mom's estate and seeing where that money went, he said, I would like to see if there's a better way to, to mitigate that cost. Carrie really liked the idea of just having a plan for peace of mind. She's like, look, I, I don't see why we want to have long-term care insurance if we can get it. They just didn't like the idea of the pay-as-you-go plans. They had looked at those in the past, and that just wasn't something that they ever, you know, they, they they decided they didn't like that, but they weren't aware of these new options that are out there. Here's what we found out about them when I started talking with them. Again, both of them are retired. Ron has a pension, um, so he's taking his pension right now. He's going to hold off to full retirement age for Social Security maybe to age 70. He said he'll see how that goes. Carrie's going to have Social Security income as well, too. So they're going to have a good stream of income. They have a rental home right now that provides additional income. They're going to keep that for as long as they can manage that. Um, They do have retirement accounts. They're planning on probably just letting those grow and, and not accessing them unless they need to until they're age 72. They do have some cash savings and some other investments as well. And they also have a deferred annuity. And again, for those of you, there's a lot of annuities in retirement accounts, and I I kind of find it funny because a lot of financial advisors will put some retirement account money into annuities. But the whole idea of annuity is that if I just walk down and buy an annuity versus a CD, the idea is that it's going to grow tax-deferred, so it works like a retirement account. And they have a deferred annuity, so this is not in their retirement account. This was some money that they – put into an annuity years ago and just let it sit there and grow and the difference is they don't get a 1099 now that's what how annuities work that's why people use them is because the government says well they're going to treat it kind of like a retirement account you can pay interest on the money you take out when you take it out but you're not going to pay interest as you earn it like you will from a money market account or a cd um they did have some term insurance, but no permanent insurance. Both of them are in pretty decent shape, but not great health. I mean, Ron had a three-way bypass, and it was several years ago, and he's been very stable. He takes a blood thinner, but, you know, three-way bypass, that's kind of at the limit. Some carriers won't do anything, um, won't even underwrite you if you've had three or four. So he was he had a three-way bypass. Carrie was a cancer survivor. She's been cancer-free for over 5 years now. She does have some arthritis, but she's not taking medication for it at this time. So again, they're 65. They're not perfect health, but they're, in, you know, they're in decent health. So here's what they wanted from a plan. They wanted something that was going to help protect their savings. They wanted something that they would pay them back if they didn't use it. They were adamant about that, and I think that's why they started looking into these plans because they started hearing about these new asset-based plans. They wanted something that was portable, which meant if they moved, the plan would follow them. And most of the plans do. I mean, they're, almost all the plans you're going to take out are going to be good in all 50 states. Some pay coverage in Canada. Some give us some international coverage. So, yeah, portability is something that's easy if you're staying in the States. Um, they did not want payments. That was something that they said, gosh, you know, we're doing our estate planning. We're retiring. I don't want this annual payment if I can avoid that. That was just something that... They had discussed, and I said, okay, got that. So here's how we did. You know, when we went down to design the plan form, one of the things that caught my attention right off of the, 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 right out of the gate, I should say, was that Ron was planning on self-insuring. He had mentioned that. And he said, yeah, as I was planning on self-insuring. I think we have enough money. So I said, okay, let's just go back to that for a second, Ron. I said, let's assume that we can't get long-term care insurance. I want you to tell me how much money do you think you would need to set aside, and where are you going to set that money aside? Are you gonna take the risk in the market? And that's what I mean. Are you gonna take the risk in the market? Is it gonna be savings? Is it gonna be a combination of those two? Is it just gonna be the the house and you're gonna hope that the, the market's doing okay and you can sell it when you need it, the second home? What would you do? So he thought about this for a minute and he said he would probably not want all the money in the stock market. He said he's somewhat conservative, especially as he gets older, and he said he'd probably lean more towards a savings type of vehicle. And then I said, how much money would you need in that bucket you know, of assets to really feel comfortable for the two of you? And he was figuring about a quarter million apiece, $250,000 per person. You know, Because he, in his mind, he's thinking $10,000 a month for two years would cover it. So that was the number he had. So I said, okay, so about a half million dollars. And you think eh, probably somewhere on a savings type account or some kind of program that was safe so it didn't go down in value. So we had a baseline. We had somewhere to start my next question with him was okay assuming that you don't have long-term care insurance we're back to the self-insuring what is the first assets you would liquidate i want you to think about this savings retirement annuity rental property how would you do this and i'll tell you this can really make a person a little bit you know nervous you squirm a little bit when, when you start thinking about this you say okay now i've got to come up with that five hundred thousand dollars where's it going to come from if i need ten thousand dollars a month what am i going to start liquidating first so Ron said most likely he would spend that annuity down, that deferred annuity. He would then probably sell the rental property. And then lastly, he would start dipping into his savings and his retirement accounts. Because what he was worried about, I was like, gosh, what if, you know, he's thinking about it now. He's like, well, if I'm in long-term care for four or five years at 10000 a month and I have to go through, I don't want to go through the retirement accounts because I need some money left for my wife. And so it was, it's a good exercise. And I think everybody that's self-insuring or thinks they have enough money to self-insure, You might, you probably do, but list it out. What are the assets you're going to liquidate first? In what order? What are the consequences? How much money are you really going to set aside? Now, remember, it's your life and it's your spouse's life. How much money are you going to set aside to make sure that you guys can handle a long-term care event? So I always tell people, you know, go through that exercise and think that through. So, Anyway, we went through all this and and, and went through that exercise with Ron. And so he had kind of gone down through how he thought he would liquidate the annuity. And I said, okay, here's what we did. Ron and Carrie didn't know this at this point, but they had the golden goose when it comes to funding a long term care plan. I mean, honestly, I just, I I love it when I see this. It's like, it just lights me right up. It was that deferred annuity. And under the Pension Protection Act, what happened, that was the act that went into effect in 2010. It was signed in law in 2006, went into effect in 2010 for us. It allowed us to fund long-term care plans with existing assets, including life insurance and annuities through what we call a 1035 exchange. Now, why this is important, because when you put money into a deferred annuity, and so Ron... And uh Kerry had this deferred annuity that they had funded, they had inherited some money a long time ago and just threw it into one of these because it was just rainy day money, just throwing into a savings vehicle, seventy-eight thousand dollars. They just had one deposit, that's it. They have not touched it since. Years have gone by, that seventy-eight thousand dollars has grown to two hundred and thirty nine thousand dollars. So they can just let it sit there and it's gonna keep earning interest and it's gonna keep growing and they're not gonna have any tax consequences until they go to take that money out. As soon as they access that $239,000, they're going to have to pay gain on everything over, or taxes on that gain. Everything over $78,000 is going to be taxed as income. That's the way your interest is taxed right now on your CDs and your money market account. You just pay that as you go. Deferred annuities allow you to just defer it and keep compounding the growth. So there, when I backed out this this deferred annuity that they had had grown at just just under 6%, about 5.7%, I think, was the compounding interest rate effect that they got. So it's an indexed annuity. It was tied to, like, the S&P 500 fund. Did really well. You know, it's not, it not getting the 10% that they always say you're going to get in the stock market, but again, 5.7% tax-deferred. Turned out to be a good little bucket of growth for them. So this was a home run for them because under the Pension Protection Act, they say, we can take that $239,000 We can move it over and we can turn that into a long-term care plan. And guess what? When you pull that money out now, all of it comes out tax-free for long-term care, including the gain that you have in the contract. But it gets even better than that. When we move that $239,000 over, we're not moving it over just so we can get the money back out tax-free. We're moving it over because we also get insurance or what we call leverage. So day one, we're going to triple the benefit right out of the gate. So they're going to have over $700,000 of long-term care insurance, and they're going to have about $8,000 a month that each of them can pull out until they exhaust that $700,000. But here's the thing. We're taking this money, think of this as a glorified savings account, that 239, we're taking it out of one pocket, we're just depositing it with the insurance company. We're going to put a bunch of features and benefits on it. This policy is going to continue to grow. So their $239,000 is going to grow. And so let's say at year five right now with the current interest rates, it's assuming interest rates are flat. They don't, they don't go up anymore. We, that two thirty-nine would be worth $270,000. Their long-term care insurance would be worth $812,000. And their benefit would be over $9,000 a month. So that's after five years. You go out 10 years again, assuming interest rates just remain steady where they're at, I think they're gonna go up a little bit more, but just assume they they remain steady. They are going to have $307,000 of cash value. That's the amount of money they could get out if they just cancel their policy. But if they leave it in there, they have $921,000 of long-term care and $10,235 a month, and it just keeps growing and growing. So based on where we're at today, this account's paying about 4% interest. Out of that 4% interest, they are paying just about 1.5% interest of that interest is going to pay for the insurance inside the plan. So that's what gives them that $3 of long-term care for every dollar they have in this program. So, folks, when I go out there and just say when they're 85 years old, 20 years out, assuming things are just the same, they've got $394,000 if they don't use their plan. They have $1,183,000 of tax-free long-term care insurance at $13,149 a month. So if they're both on claim 20 years down the road, they could each take out $13,149 per month until they use up that $1.1 million of long-term care insurance. And folks, I'm telling you what, when you think about what this did for them, it's just really brilliant. It gives them three dollars for every dollar that they have in an existing annuity that's just sitting there. That money comes out tax-free. All their gain that they have in their existing annuity comes out tax-free. It is just wonderful. Now, let me clarify this. Again, this was not a retirement account. If you fund an annuity with a retirement account with IRA money or 401k money, it doesn't work the same way. You can still get the three times leverage, but you still have to pay tax on that initial money, that gain that you have, because You never pay tax on the money that you put in at the beginning on the retirement account. But for those of you out there that have just put savings or money into annuities, or if you have cash value life insurance, that's where that 1035 exchange works so well. Now, something that's really unique to this policy, I just gotta tell you, you can access after year one, you can take 10% of the cash value out of the contract. So they put $239,000 in. Initially, that was a deposit amount. At the end of year one, they have 245000 So if they really needed some cash, they could take $24,000 out of this plan without canceling the insurance plan. And they're still going to have $3 of tax-free long-term care insurance for every dollar that they have in their account. So if they whittled it down to, say, $200,000 of cash because they took out you know $50,000 over two years, a year three, that still have $600,000 of long-term care. So you have some liquidity. You're always gonna get the surrender value of the policy if you just cancel the policy, and that's gonna grow over time. So like at year 10, you're at 307. You know, at year five, you're at 257. So again, you're not losing money. It's a guaranteed amount of uh, protection in there with the insurance. You're trading a little bit of your interest that you're earning for insurance, but you're getting the leverage, and you're getting to pull all of the gain you have out tax-free. So when we think about what we really did for them, we just took an asset that they already have. Um, They've got basically access to the money if they need it, but hopefully they can just leave it in there because now they've got a meaningful long-term care plan that's growing over time. There's no taxes taken out on the money for long-term care. There's a zero day waiting for home health care. And really what does it do for them? It just gives them that peace of mind that, hey, guess what? Should we need care? He was thinking, well, we need probably $500,000 would make me feel good. Well, how about you got seven, a little over 700000 day one, but it's going to grow to over a million dollars in the next 20 years, and you don't have to do anything. You just repositioned a couple hundred thousand dollars in an annuity that you already had. You could fund this with savings. You can fund it with whatever you want. You just get the the, the, the advantage of funding it with the existing annuity is if you have gain in that existing annuity, you don't have to pay tax on that gain. So just love solving these problems and designing these plans. So Um, I've got to squeeze in my final break, but uh, stick around. I've got a little bit more. We'll be right back.
0: Avoid the mistake of paying unnecessary taxes, guarantee the quality of your care, and preserve your legacy and wealth by setting up your own tax-free long-term care plan. Learn more by attending Brian's free live webinar class. Sign up now at 525longtermcare.com.
2: The issue of long-term care is so important, a lot of states like Washington are seeking to pass laws requiring payroll deductions to fund it. But the reality is the state solution is simply a drop in the bucket. It won't provide meaningful protection for you or your family. 525 Advisors is who my wife and I went with. They provide meaningful coverage through new plans with guaranteed leverage that turn every dollar into at least $3 of long-term care coverage, tax-free. And you get your money back if you never use it just like the custom plan my wife and I got. Join Brian Ott from 525 Advisors this Thursday afternoon at 3 for his free live webinar. He'll explain how repositioning some of your savings is a secure way to triple your money today to pay for the high cost of long-term care, like the state. We agree long-term care is a serious issue, but don't settle for the government's flawed plan. Learn your own options at the free live webinar this Thursday afternoon at 3. Sign up at 525longtermcare.com. That's
3: 525longtermcare.com. Do you know that 7 out of 10 people past the age of 65 need at some point some sort of long-term care? That's 70%. Now, many of us think it could never happen to us or somebody else is going to be there to take care of us, but the facts are clear. Most of us will need to pay for help in the future. And not only is that help expensive, but it puts a burden on family members as well. If you've never looked at long-term care insurance because you didn't know where to start, start today with 525 Advisors. Recent changes to the Pension Protection Act have made new programs more advantageous than ever. How would you like to get your premiums back if you never use your long-term care insurance? Well, you can. How would you like to leverage some of your savings for increased coverage using tax-free dollars? Now you can. 525 Advisors are the local long-term care experts. Protect yourself and your family members from the high cost of extended health care. Go to 525LongTermCare.com. Sign up
0: for the next free long-term care live webinar with Brian Ott. Go to 525LongTermCare.com. Staying in control of your care options is a better alternative than letting the government decide for you. Welcome back to Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott, certified long-term care planning specialist with 525 Advisors.
1: And welcome back, and uh, thanks for sticking around. We're just rolling into our last segment here of uh, Long-Term Care Radio for this week. Um, I got to tell you, if you do have a question for us, like we started this whole show was just a question that we got from a listener from Ashley. And you can go to our uh, website at 525longtermcare.com. You can sign up for one of our events. You can listen to our old radio shows, our podcasts. You can get them there. And you can also send us a question. And we read all the questions. We always get back to everybody on those questions. But I really appreciate that because... Again, you know the, the the survey. It blows my mind when we look at this that we've got you know seven out of ten people think Obamacare is paying for long term care, and half of Americans still think Medicare is going to pay for long term care. And it's just couldn't be further from the truth. And it's really sad because again, by the time most people figure this out, they're circling the wagons and you know like i said so, you know watching your parents spin through their assets is one thing but watching them lose their dignity dignity is a whole different story and what i mean by that is you know there's a lot of people out there right now especially the older generations that worked really really hard and came from absolutely nothing and they were very very uh proud of being able to pay their way and then a long-term care situation comes along, and it just undoes everything. And now all of a sudden, they can't leave the house to the kids. They can't leave the savings to the kids, and it really affects them. And especially for people that run out of money. And uh, you know, I've been doing this long enough that I've seen some just horrific cases. And we've seen some cases where you know people families have blown through you know three million dollar estates in long-term care situations, and it can get very expensive very quickly. You know, like I said, I've got a client right now. One client is, um, the the husband is is diagnosed with Alzheimer's and suffering cognitive, and the wife is just diagnosed with ALS. And it's just a brutal, brutal situation. They've got a complex estate. They've got multiple rental properties. And guess what? They've got to start selling these things off and go, you know, to pay for him, for her. She's got some long-term care insurance, but it's just it can get very expensive very, very quickly. And so the whole idea of self-insuring, that matter of being prideful and saying, I can pay my own way, there are a lot of people out there that don't want to get long-term care insurance because it's like a it's like reverse mortgage. That's only for people that really, really need it. I don't need it, I've worked hard, I've saved assets, I can afford to pay for care. That may be true, but the whole idea of long-term care insurance is that it's a better way to pay for your care and there's a much, you know, there, there, with these new programs out there, these asset-based programs, you're getting, you know, your money back if you don't use it. And like our client of the week this week, they're not getting their money back. They're they're getting their money back plus interest. So their two thirty nine turns into to almost four hundred thousand dollars in twenty years. That's the money that goes back to the estate. So what did they really give up? You know, and so the the whole idea is that there are better ways to self-insure and by having the insurance set up there, you don't have to worry about spending assets down. You don't have to worry about becoming a ward of the state on the government. The idea is you can stay in control of your care options. And there's just a lot of things that people don't think about on long term care. I was talking about this last week on the hidden cost. You know, we have tough choices to make when you end up in a long term care situation and there is no long term care insurance. Because, first off, there's nobody to call. It's up to you. It's up to you and your family. You can do whatever you want, but you've got to figure it out. You know, where are you going to receive your care? What assets are you going to spend down and in what order? And are you the power of attorney? Are you in control of that? Are you the one that's going to sell, have them sell the second home first or are you going to have them liquidate your retirement account? Is your power of attorney going to do that? What assets are going to be spent down in what order? That's always a tough question. Who's going to provide your care? Are you gonna use the best home healthcare service in in the county? Or are you gonna use this one that's 10% cheaper because you're trying to save some money and you don't really understand the difference? You know, who's gonna manage that care once you decide on who's providing it? If it's not a family member, who's gonna make sure that those people are doing what they said they are gonna do and that they're not overbilling you? Who manages all that? And so that's the whole idea of 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 having a long-term care insurance plan is that not only is your care funded, it's managed in a time of need. Our best plans out there have these concierge claim support. We have a team of professionals that are looking at the bills every month. They're making sure these people that are charging you are not overcharging you. They're not charging you for 16 hours of therapy when the doctor says you need eight. There's just a lot that goes on on there. And I think the most important thing you have to understand that even if you have all the money in the world, somebody's still got to give up their time to figure it out. And who is that going to be? If you have somebody that runs an assisted living facility and they happen to be your daughter or your son, oh, good. You might be okay. But most of us don't have that. And so it's a complex world out there. And so – Again, the idea is yes. Do you need long-term care insurance? Maybe not from a financial point of view, but do you want it? Yes. When you realize the tax benefits you get, the leverage that you get, and the support you get for your family, we have some wonderful plans. Sign up for a webinar, 525longtermcare.com. I will be back next week with a new show. Thanks so much.
0: You've been listening to Long-Term Care Radio with certified long-term care planning specialist Brian Ott. You can download and subscribe to the podcast at 525longtermcare.com and learn about all the long-term care planning options available. If you have questions for Brian or would like information about any of his upcoming long-term care webinars, go to 525longtermcare.com. Be sure to join us next weekend for another edition of Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott. For information, show schedules, and podcasts, go to 525longtermcare.com.
2: The issue of long-term care is so important, a lot of states like Washington are seeking to pass laws requiring payroll deductions to fund it. But the reality is, the state solution is simply a drop in the bucket. It won't provide meaningful protection for you or your family. 525 Advisors is who my wife and I went with. They provide meaningful coverage through new plans with guaranteed leverage that turn every dollar into at least $3 of long-term care coverage, tax-free. And you get your money back if you never use it, just like the custom plan my wife and I got Join Brian Ott from 525 Advisors this Thursday afternoon at 3 for his free live webinar. He'll explain how repositioning some of your savings is a secure way to triple your money today to pay for the high cost of long-term care, like the state. We agree long-term care is a serious issue, but don't settle for the government's flawed plan. Learn your own options at the free live webinar this Thursday afternoon at 3. Sign up at 525longtermcare.com. That's 525longtermcare.com.